I'm Danielle Houston. I'm the host of this podcast, The Checkup. I'm also a client advocate at Lockton Companies. And this is one of the episodes that I love to create and share because we are going to talk specific HR tools, practices. We are going to talk about some ways that possibly you might be inspired or learn from, and you can do that from one of your own colleagues. So today I am welcoming Layla Starwich. She is the People Operations Director at Sprague Pest Solutions. She has been with the organization for almost 10 years with a background that is interesting because she started in education. And I think that you'll hear some of those elements really come to the forefront when we talk about recruiting. Specifically, I invited Layla because I saw that not long ago, she was on a panel presentation talking with other organizations and HR leaders about recruiting in a time that's tough and also recruiting at a time in an industry that isn't necessarily, you know, having the appeal of, you know, other industries. Would that be a fair way to put that, Layla? I think that's a very fair way to put that, yes. So welcome, because while not every industry has that certain, like, curb appeal of maybe tech, you're working in an industry that we need you, and we need you and your people to be out there helping to do things like keep our food supplies safe. Mm -hmm. So how are you doing it? (laughs) Well, uh, I'll start by saying it is not an easy task. And I think that since COVID, um, all HR professionals have really had to examine their recruiting process and procedure. And what I mean by that is we have low unemployment, we have more competition out there than ever. Now, especially following COVID, we have so many people that would rather work from home. So that is a deterrent if you don't have that option for a person to work from home. And to me, I think that really you have to look at your full cycle recruiting process and you have to examine each one of those stage gates and ask yourself, is this working for us? And if it's not, what could you do differently? And when I go through this process, I like to use a gap analysis talking about, okay, this is our current state. And then talking about, Here's our ideal state. And then what are our pain points and what can we do to resolve those pain points? And I think that one of the hardest pieces for an organization is the time and financial constraints that we all have. And so a lot of times I know in the brainstorming process, you'll hear things from team members like, well, we would love to do this in an ideal state, but we don't have enough time or we don't have enough money to post in those areas or whatever it may be. And so what I would challenge uh, organizations to do when you go through this initial process is to not allow those constraints to hold you back. Because what I found is removing the constraints and just talking about the ideal helps you to get really creative and innovative. And then you can always pull back. You can always look for maybe a step down option of software, but maybe it's you know less expensive. There's always another option out there. But if you close your mind so much that you get set on, we can't do this, we can't do that. You won't come up with as as many, I think, innovative ideas. And it's been amazing to see what my team has come up with over the past year and a half in regards to creative ideas and strategy. So when I think about where do we start, you really have to start at the beginning, which is looking at those areas in which you post 
and realizing also that just posting these days is not going to get you the candidate flow that you need. And so understanding your application to interview ratio and understanding maybe what are the gaps and why aren't, why are people looking at your ads, but why are they not applying or why are they applying and why are they not coming to the initial interview? So it really starts at that beginning process. Yeah. And I, and I have one question. Well, I actually have two questions in that, but the first one I think is really connected to that whole process that you talk about examining at, at the beginning and find out, really look at what's working and what's not working. How do you keep that process on it? Because, you know, in my experience, when, you know, when any team has laid out a project and they have spent time in developing how something works, it can be really difficult to disengage a little bit and honestly reflect on what's working or not. So how do you, how do you do that with your team? I think that it's important to gather the analytics. I think that's the other piece too that I've been talking to a lot of other professionals about. Before it was really, we focused on, you know, looking at the language in the posting, for example, and making sure the language aligned with those target audience and groups that we want to attract. I don't think there was as much focus on the looking at really results in regards to analytics and saying, okay, Maybe in this market, this language is working better, but in this other market here, we need to change the language to appeal to that particular target group. And so playing around with that, looking at the actual date that you post, the, again, which job boards you're posting with, um, my recommendation typically is look for opportunities to bundle. So what I mean by bundling is instead of just having one main job board that you're focusing on and putting all your resources there, diversify the number of job boards that you're getting your word out there and bundle it up so that it's less work on your recruiter side by having a one-stop shop where they will be putting the posting, but knowing that it's sent out to multiple job boards. Because the other thing mm. too is your recruiter only has so much time in a day. And if they're spending half their day updating and refreshing job postings, they're taking away from the time that they could be actively seeking candidates. I think that's the other piece too, is that we're no longer in a game. And I don't care if you're a small shop or medium or large, you have to be willing to have the resources to go out there and look for the people, look for the people that are currently employed. And I think that comes in many, many different forms. It comes from, you know, obviously going online and looking at people's LinkedIn profiles, looking at Indeed, actively pulling resumes and reaching out to people. I think when we're reaching out to people, you know, you only have like a 15 second segue there to try to attract them and they're in their current workplace. And what are you going to say in just a paragraph or less that's going to make them go, hmm, maybe I should think about this opportunity. And so writing a tight message that is attractive to that talent is absolutely critical. And you, you touched on this a little bit, at least, you know, as we were preparing and I've, and I've known you long enough to know too, that you really do try to think about the whole person and what, you know, and a total employment experience, if that's what you want to call it looks like. But um, when that type message and introduction is happening, I'm guessing that you're not solely focused on the paycheck because, you know, what I'm hearing from 
others and, you know, even what we're seeing in surveys is people aren't necessarily making their decisions just based on getting a pay increase. So, you know, what does that message mm-hmm. look like when you're thinking about the person that you're, re- you're trying to recruit? Yeah, I, I'm going to bring it back to the whole idea of, uh, you know, in addition to, it's kind of like a three-prong approach, you know, you're looking at job boards, you are looking at actively seeking out people, and then you're talking to your current team and saying, hey, can you refer someone? And so it's about direct referrals, which is physically referring a, a person. Or mm-hmm. I tell people an indirect referral is when they go write a review. And I have not been in an interview in the past three to four years where an individual has not brought up the reviews, whether they be on Glassdoor, Indeed, LinkedIn, Google, all over. And so making sure that you have those positive reviews, because when you send that succinct message to people, they're going to take a second, they're probably going to Google you, and they're going to look up your reviews. And you have to bring your culture to life, no matter what your organization does, how do you take your internal culture, which is really hard to help define outside of your organization, but be able to have it shine and show. And so, for example, social media, running stories, sharing what's going on in your organization, demonstrating your values. We recently um, participated in a Sprague uh, Day of Giving, and each one of our branches and locations found an organization that resonated with that particular team. And then we took pictures and, you know, share the stories about the excitement around how Sprague really enjoys giving back to our community because that is one of our values. And I think finding ways like that to demonstrate your values to the outside world is a great way to attract top talent. And it's, you know, on your website, social media, uh, we've been doing some spotlight interviews where we interview team members have been here for just a short period of time to team members that have been here 30 plus years and have them explain what it is about Sprague that they value. And I think that those are so personal and meaningful that it makes it really easy for people to connect and go, wow, I want to be a part of that. Do you find that one or the other, and and by one or the other, I mean the job postings and the boards that you're using versus these really personal stories, you know, is there one that has a greater impact on your recruiting than the other? See, I think that's where it's that whole multifaceted approach that if you want Mm. to be able to get yield the best results, it's really hard because you can't just do like one or the other. It's more of an and statement. So you've got to have your postings on point, you've got to have the right language, you've got to be examining and making sure you're targeting the correct job boards. And then also it comes into, you know, the story that you tell. So the website, because people these days will look at your organization in several different ways. They'll go on social media, they'll look at reviews, they'll go to your website um, and, and, you have to make sure that all the messages also align in all those different areas too. And I think that's so critical. And then also the person- I I think you're right. Yeah, the person that you have doing the recruiting too is a piece that should not be overlooked. And I think that it really depends on the size of the organization. Smaller organizations, it may be the owner doing the interviews. You know, when you get to a certain point, you have a full-time recruiter or a team of recruiters. But whoever's doing that recruiting, being really mindful about 
how they are trained, their job responsibilities, expectations, because that also is a huge part of the puzzle of what type of talent you're going to bring in the door. You mentioned earlier, too, that you have brainstorming sessions. Um, and, and I know that to be true in other areas, you know, in business that that you have worked in with Sprague. When it comes to this recruiting process and, you know, attracting people and keeping people, who's your brainstorming team? So, I mean, I think that the brainstorming team is usually in the department for a certain level of discussion. And then outside of that, it's definitely our senior management team, too. And it's almost like doing focus groups by going out and talking to people out in the field. I think understanding why people are attracted to the organization is a huge part of it. And then understanding why people stay too. And so it's a, it's a whole gamut depending on the goal of that particular discussion, whether it be more internal or really calibrating to make sure that our message is aligning with the people that are coming in. I personally go in and talk to every single new hire that we have because even though we have so many different locations, we bring them all here for the onboarding process. I think that's the other piece too, that people sometimes decouple from recruiting, but it shouldn't be. How you onboard makes such a huge impact and it can make or break. Just like with a job interview, when you have that ability to have that first impression with somebody, they're coming with their best self, you're coming with your best self, and that cycle starts again on that first day and subsequent days. And so making sure that people have a great organized onboarding experience is absolutely critical. Otherwise, you're going to lose them early. And then all those reviews that you might have worked so hard to have people write, if they write one bad review about your inability to properly onboard, that can be a huge turnoff to future talent. I bet. Now, I have heard from others that, um, especially in, in, well, maybe not even industries that are harder to recruit for, but that this process between offering someone a job and the time that they may actually start is just as critical and keeping them engaged because, some of what I've heard is, hey, we've offered, they've accepted the week or the two weeks goes by and that person doesn't show up for their job interview or for their actual first day. And I think that speaks to a lot of what you're talking about, that that recruiting process doesn't just stop, but you've got this process how, I mean, how, or are there some special ways that you're keeping people engaged from that time that they say yes to the time they start? You know, for us, we have played with a lot of different options for onboarding and we have settled on, uh, you know, we went from a place of, we will start you as soon as we can, right? Because we're like, oh my gosh, we have to rush and get you in the door because of that gap. And what could happen if we don't start you when as soon as you are available to start, we could lose you. And then we transitioned to a part, uh, a process where we were only starting people once a month. And that was pretty difficult. And now mm -hmm. we, I think we found our happy medium in a place that works for us where we typically start people on the first two Mondays and have it open for the third Monday, should we need to. 
the reason why I say this is that it is, like I said earlier, it is to me better to be organized for us. We have to gather equipment. We have to have people's enter and mending systems. There's a lot of things that need to take place. And we don't want somebody showing up and feeling like we weren't ready for them. And so we have slowed down the process and we only start on Mondays because it allows our internal team on the on the backside to make sure that everything is set up. So when they come in on the front door, they have everything that they need. And it's very clear that we have thoroughly prepared for them. I do think that it's absolutely critical to communicate with them on a regular basis. Like for us, it is, we have the capacity for our recruiter to be sending out those warm touches, whether via email or text or phone calls, just checking in. Then we coordinate with the hiring manager to make sure that they call and check in with the person. So the person just feels really well taken care of from the time that they had their initial interview to their first day. There are very clear expectations on what types of assessments or testing need to happen, physical prior to start date, you know, what their start first day will look like, what they should bring to their first day. Everything is well laid out. I think if you don't have those clear expectations or there's a gap in time where you're not having those warm touches, that's when you lose a person. And you're also really helping to establish that the values that you have around people are actually true, that you're you know, living those out when you are reaching out to say, Hey, we're so excited that you're going to join us. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're getting ready for the big day. Are you getting ready for the big day? Here's what you can do. Um, because that's where I think there must be a lot of people that fall through the cracks when they've said yes. And then they kind of go into this void of, you know, well, I've got a couple more weeks and, and that time period does something else come along. But if you're making someone feel wanted and mm -hmm. seen outside of, you know, the yes. And um, I think that's a really powerful, a really powerful step in the process. You know, I, I said this when, when we were prepping, probably more so than when we started this, but, you know, I think your message and your advice is so incredibly timely because we all know what's happening with recruiting and filling jobs now. And I don't think that this is necessarily just a message for industries that are having a harder time recruiting for or those industries that don't have the curb appeal, but also for the industries who really, and maybe it's for the companies, more specifically the companies out there who think that this could be just a passing sort of a fad, you know, this having difficulty hiring, having to change our practices, it's just temporary. So let's just stay the course and not do anything different. What would you say to that HR leader who is navigating those internal discussions, trying to convince somebody um, that these are not times that are just fleeting? Yeah, I think that if you haven't changed, you're already behind the ball. And I think that the reality of today is that change is going to be the new way and that you can't stay stagnant. You can't just, I think for a while, HR professionals got very comfortable with, this is my job board that I typically use, or these are my top three job boards that I typically use. This is my interview guide. This is my process. And just kind of walk through it and, oh, I know I'll get some people that'll apply and we'll get some people in the door. Well, that's 
just not the case anymore. And I think that, like I said earlier, looking at the analytics, looking at, you know, the why for why you're not either getting the type of talent or the, the level or the number of people applying is absolutely critical. Um, at a minimum, looking at your analytics and making pivoting and making changes on a quarterly basis to me would be at the minimum what you should be doing. Um, I think that for us, modes of communication is so critical. So we moved to a place where we were only, we previously were only making outbound phone calls to individuals, leaving messages and contacting them in that manner, realizing that uh, one of our brainstorm sessions, creating a way for people to be able to actually grab time on our recruiter's calendar so that she didn't have to reach out and there wasn't this game of phone tag. And she actually laid it out so that um, there was various types of interviews that people could choose to engage in. So if they just wanted to do a five minute informational, what is the position, what is Sprague all about? They could grab the five minutes on her calendar. If they wanted to do a full interview, then it would be a longer duration. And so clearly defining the different types of interviews that were available and the function and the purpose, I think was huge for us. But then there's some people who still want to receive those phone calls. So then having that other tier where, you know, you're contacting people via text, via email, on the phone, you just can't kind of stand still. You've got to be looking at what's yeah. the next thing. What's the next job board? Where are people hearing about you? What else are you going to do to get your culture out there? Looking at your application even. And how long it takes yeah. people to complete it is huge. I mean, we had mm. a significant decrease from like uh, an approximate 10 minute application to now down to just just over two minutes. I mean, that's a that's a huge time difference as far as people's attention span and wanting to complete. The pain point that we saw was we, we had people starting the process, but then not finishing it. And so understanding what were those essential pieces that we needed to have there and what could be trimmed down? I think that is incredibly powerful. And I've, I've got a couple of other recruiter friends, you know, in my network that we hosted a podcast session probably four or five months ago. And they were talking then about like, get out of this thing that you have to have 20 steps, you know, to get to the, to the job interview, or even that your job description has, you know, 10 minimum requirements. Does it really, can you look at it honestly and drill it down into what do you really need? And I think, you know, you talking about the application process and making that really simple. It is a different person and a different generation that's coming in to the workforce. And I think a lot of what we're experiencing and a lot of the things that you're talking about too, really lend itself to the fact that, you know, in part, it's this, you know, COVID environment that we are coming through. It's a different workforce. People have left the workforce, but a lot of the people that are coming in are younger and have a totally different expectation for what the process should feel like, which means, yeah, I, this change, this change thing isn't going away. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other parting advice for your HR you know, colleagues and peers out there who are continuing to navigate something different every day? I think that sometimes as HR professionals, we tend to feel that we have to take on the whole weight. 
and that we have to solve this and we've got to solve it in our silo, you could say. And I think that's a wrong way to think about it. So I would say break the silo, talk to everybody, talk to all levels in your organization to get ideas, talk to everybody outside your organization to get ideas. And then better yet, involve everyone. Everybody these days should be a part of recruiting. It is really critical. It can't just be on the HR professional or their department. It's getting everyone on board and having them understand what's their playing it and how can they help and contribute to bringing in that top talent. Uh, I'll tell a real quick, funny story. We have a gentleman that works for us and he really has bought into this and understands it. And he's a salesperson for us. And he actually intentionally goes to have lunch in areas with a lot of people who are currently driving routes and driving company vehicles go to sit and have their lunch. And he strikes up just conversations with them and tells them about Sprague. He's had individuals that have come to do work on his home. And if they have great communication and he thinks they're a good culture fit, he shares more about Sprague. And I couldn't tell you how many people we brought in the door because of this gentleman's hard work. And so how do we create more people in our organization who aren't afraid to tell our stories, who aren't afraid to say, hey, you know, you, you go to your local restaurant or coffee shop and someone has great customer service and you think they'd be a great fit for your organization. So how can you equip them with the skills that they need to tell that story to attract those individuals to your organization? I love that. We are all recruiters now, right? Mm -hmm. We're all carrying, we're that all carrying correct. the flag. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that is great advice. And, you know, Layla, as people listen to this, um, you know, I, I, I imagine there will be people who listen to this too and have a, a light bulb moment and maybe their own creative idea or maybe even a question and they want to connect with you. Um, do you welcome those kinds of connections maybe through LinkedIn? I would love that. Definitely. Always open to connect. Awesome. Great. As I think, you know, to your, to your comment, the more people you can pull into that community of asking questions and hearing what others are doing, the better we all get. And it's also a great reminder that all of the challenges we're facing, so are other people. So there's no reason to try to figure that out all on your own, but um, build that community a little broader and deeper. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing your message and your advice to the checkup. Um, you know, we definitely look to be um, another platform and a way for people to be able to connect and be encouraged and be inspired to do something different. And remember that, you know, you don't have to figure this out all by yourself because there are so many smart, inspiring people out there today. And Layla is one of them. So thank you for coming and joining me today. And if you want to stay connected to the checkup, you can follow us on YouTube, on LinkedIn, and on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, until next time, take good care. <laughs>